morning, everybody. 9.09, starting right on time. We have uh, um, this week, following us from last week, uh, uh, technical difficulties. Last week, it was all my fault. And this week, it's all my fault. So um, <clears throat> bear with me. I'll be doing uh, an awful lot from the lectern here. Uh, my mic uh, has disappeared, that one that you know, has the boom and all that, it's gone. And so we're just gonna kinda, uh, I'm gonna lead with a limp today. And uh, I know that you will be grace-filled and as you always are to your pastor. Uh, the announcements, I'll, I'll let you see uh, in the bulletin yourself. You can tell when I'm not prepared because I say, uh, a lot. I had a great day yesterday. And the reason for that uh, are four of the reasons, well, I guess five if you count Grandpa, um, are sitting in the back seat. But Matthew and Linda and their lovely girls are with Grandpa Ken Yabuki today. And I had a chance to go meet them at their house and do a house blessing. And that was really nice, you guys. Thank you for trusting me to come in. I really loved meeting you all. And um, the girls are, if I had daughters, I'll tell you what. So uh, that's, that was really nice. So they're here, so welcome them uh, as we leave. Also, I have been told to announce the um, party that is coming up on November 6th, the 60th reunion. If you are going to come, won't you please take one of the blue uh, cards that are in front of you in the pews and RSVP there with your name and number of people that you plan to come with, okay? Could you do that for me? Did everyone do this? Is everyone doing that? Okay. Susan, mission accomplished. Okay. <laughs> And that's about it. So uh, our opening hymn, I'm going to have Louie do that. And are we ready, Louie? Here we go. Thy sovereign majesty may 
come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is able and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
Peace be with you. We will uh, start uh, with our first reading from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 7 through 9. If you'd like, you can follow along in the Pew Bibles in front of you, It'll be on page 1225. Uh, Jeremiah was one of the older prophets. Uh, we find out that, that uh, he is the one that also foretold of the falling of, uh, of Israel and the fact that the people would be then led into captivity. So this is what the Lord says on verse seven. Sing with joy for Jacob, shout for the mo foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers, women in labor, and a great, a great throng will return. They will come with weeping they will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Now in your bulletin, you can join me as we read Psalm 126 responsibly. And we'll be reading Psalm 126. Again, more celebration, people coming back to Zion. Verse one, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Both are our fortunes, Lord. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping carry seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. We go to Hebrews next, and my next reading, uh, looking at chapter seven, we're we'll looking at verses 23 through 28, found on page 1869 in the Pew Bibles in front. This is where we find out why We'll never, the, the people of Israel will not have to give sacrifices like they've done many, many times over the course of a, a year because of him who took it all on himself and died for us and that grace he had given us. So 
he was the greatest and the last sacrifice. Verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. Because, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent, a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 26. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One is one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for our sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all. You know, when we offered, when he offered himself. 28. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please stand if you're able? Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. From the 10th chapter. Our gospel this morning is indeed from St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, and can be found on page 1572 in your Pew Bible. Mark records Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples Together with a large crowd were leaving the city a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, and they told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me now? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. There is such great irony in the gospel lesson that I see, and I, I, I like it. That irony is, is that the blind man is the only one who really gets it. 
The blind man is the one who sees. The one who sees the promised son of David, the Messiah in the flesh. So, what is it that everyone else doesn't seem to get? Well, it may be the whole son of David thing that he was crying out, but I don't think that's it, because even though some have argued over time, that phrase, son of David, is in the Old Testament many, many times. And it always points to Christ, the coming Messiah. And, and we know that the disciples certainly understood and believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of David, the son of the living God. Even the Pharisees knew that the term meant, and they used that term properly. So they would say, what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? And they respond very matter-of-factly, he is the son of David. Even they got it. They didn't recognize Jesus as that guy, but they understood what the son of David meant. It just wasn't Jesus, according to them. Now this means that the whole concept of mercy then, have mercy on me, then that must be the problem. And just for a, a historical timeline footnote, this event is taking place about three days, just three days before Palm Sunday, and about one week before Monday, Thursday. And we might think by now that the apostles would get it. So when this blind guy gets to crying out to Jesus, the son of David, the Christ, when he cries out to him for mercy, the apostles, the ones who are out front, leading the procession into town or out of town, depending on which version we read, these ones are actually, they rebuke him. Did you hear that? They rebuke the blind guy for crying out and making such a commotion. Let me say that again. It's not the Pharisees who rebuke the poor guy. It's the apostles. Rebuke. You know, that, that's a harsh term. And what's really sad is that it's not the first time that these, I almost said knuckleheads, oops, there I go, it's not the first time that they did such a bad thing. Because you can remember that people had brought their small children and their babies to Jesus so that he could bless them. And the disciples rebuked the parents for wasting Jesus' time. Let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. So these guys didn't get it. And they certainly didn't get it in this historical account. The apostles didn't see what the blind man saw. They really didn't understand what Christ's life-giving mercy was all about. And the truth be told, this misunderstanding, well, it still abounds among many Christians today. Many modern-day theologians are quick to point out that the Greek words for alms and mercy are very similar. The word for mercy being the root word for alms. And if this guy couldn't possibly be asking for just mercy, why? Because, well, he's a beggar, and he's looking for something more base and tangible, a favor, a handout. Let me just digress here. Maybe it's just me. But an explanation like that says more about the theologian than it does about the blind man. 
Have mercy on me, the man said. This guy doesn't ask for anything other than he says. He asks for mercy, period, plain and simple. Have mercy on me. Now, the Greek word for mercy is eleison, and it simply means to ask a superior to be gracious and kind to one who is far lower, one who is less deserving. But the truth is, even in that description, there is nothing transactional about this. It is not a quid pro quo. It is not, hey, let's make a deal. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And I'll notice this, that I said that the cry for mercy is made by one who confesses that they are completely undeserving of anything. The one who asks for mercy knows that they don't even deserve a moment of time. They don't deserve a glance, acknowledgement of their lowly existence. This call for mercy isn't a call to highlight the self in any way, in any shape, or in any form, but rather it is a plea for grace from the superior. It's all about the superior's grace. It's all about the superior's charity. Now, maybe that's why, if we're honest, we don't truly get it, at least not as well as we think to do, we think we do. Here's a case in point. People are reluctant to want to consider themselves a charity case. They think that that is a derogatory term. Sometimes we may need a little help, once in a while, maybe a little hand up, but we're often too proud to take the handout. We're not charity cases. It's funny to go out to dinner with another couple and both men race to see who gets the wallet out first. You ever notice that? Here's the truth. We are all charity cases. Every single one of us is in need of charity and of grace. Now, consider the fact here that the Greek word we so often translate as love and I want you to reference, if you want to look this up later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's a lot of love in that chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is also translated as charity. Now, not in the NIV, in your, your pew Bible there, but um, this is, in fact, how our Christian forefathers have traditionally translated this particular text. Now, the only person that I know that has a King James Version old enough is Bob. So go see Bob and ask him to open up his King James Version that his mom has, and it's beautiful. It's got mom's notes in it. Oh my gosh, you know. And, and, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and see if love is, is actually, they call it charity in there. Will you do that for me, brother? Appreciate it. Now, you need to give that some thought, you guys. Well, I do too. I'm preaching to me as well. So this text is often, 1 Corinthians 13, is misused. It is abused and twisted into some sort of proud statement about the love that we feel for our significant other. Okay, now look, it's great that you love your special someone. You're supposed to do that. But St. Paul isn't talking about you when he speaks of love being patient and love being kind or long-suffering or slow to anger, is he? Now talk about narcissistic if you do think that, and nobody here does, I know that. He's, he's speaking about who? Number one answer in Sunday school, Jesus, yeah. 
He's talking about Jesus, and not in a popular way that likes to see Jesus as our boyfriend, okay? Some of the music out there that's being sung, okay, stick with the point, Pastor Ken. He is speaking about unconditional love, the unconditional love of God, love that sent Jesus to be our Savior. And properly understood, we are all charity cases in the eyes of God. God so loved us unconditionally, in spite of us, that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. He gave his only begotten son to redeem us. That is, to pay our wage for sin. And that wage was death. And he had to do that because there's nothing that we could do to earn or to merit such forgiveness. We have nothing, all capital letters, nothing to offer, nothing to give in exchange. In terms of God's love and mercy and grace, we all are undeserving beggars. Every one of us. Another little historical factoid. When Martin Luther, when he died, he had a slip of paper that was in his pocket. And it said this. I don't speak German, but it said, Where sind all Butler das ist war? I probably murdered that, forgive me, Martin. But what it translates into is this. We are all beggars. This is true. A little slip of paper in his pocket. Imagine he pulled it out every once in a while to remind himself that the great reverend doctor was just a beggar like everyone else. Luther got it. And through the eyes of faith, he saw his sinful corpse, reality, in the mirror of God's word. And through the eyes of faith, he saw and embraced the life-giving mercy, the life-giving grace and charity of the Father's love for us in Christ and because of Christ. So what about you? What about me? Do we see? Do we get it? Well, we just sang, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. Alleluia, amen. You see, faith gets it. Faith opens our eyes that we know that we are all undeserving beggars. And we come to God with nothing to offer. Nothing to barter with, nothing to exchange. We come empty-handed through those doors, undeserving of even a glance, justly deserving only the present and eternal punishment that is ours because of sin. And however, out of his great charity and unconditional love and mercy, God fills our hearts, he fills our minds and our souls with his rich grace, his wonderful peace, and everlasting life. We look no further than right here and right now at the sacraments, the sacrament of the altar and the sacrament of holy baptism. Here he fills us with his body and his blood, his word and his promise. And through these, his means of grace and divine charity he works miracles, miracles of death and life. His word penetrates the darkness of sin. It penetrates the blindness, the deafness, the apathy, the lifelessness, and it gives life. The blind are made to see, the ears of the deaf are open to hear, the lame walk, and the dead are resurrected to new life. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is your reality 
right now. Either you get it or you don't. There's no prescriptions. There's no to-do lists. There's no tricks or gimmicks to help you find your purpose or your way to leading your best life. Or at least a more fulfilling or rewarding or pleasure-filled life. No, no, no. None of that. And those of you who by faith get it, you understand. And you thank God that you do. Lord, have mercy. We cry out. Lord, have mercy. And he does on you, his children. The word rightly taught and the sacraments rightly administered. One more time. The word rightly taught and the sacraments rightly administered. You see, faith sees this and faith can't help but cry out in humble thanksgiving. Faith wants all the Christocentric charity and mercy and grace that it can get. Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's a faith that gets it. That's a faith that sees and holds fast to Christ. In a few minutes, I will say to you, here is Christ. Here is the Christ, the Son of David, the Son of of God. Here is the one and only way. Here is the font, the source, the terminus of all divine goodness, grace, love, and peace. Here is God right here, and he's promised you that he would be, that he would never leave you nor forsake you. He's here in the elements, on, above, and side by side with you always with you right now, bestowing on you his full measure of merciful charity, merciful charity that walked all that way and on the way of the cross that no one else could, walking that you and for you, making full and complete payment for you with the sacrifice of his body and his blood on the altar of his cross. And in that divine act, that act of incomprehensible charity, he declared this, it is finished. It is finished. And this same victorious and charitable Savior comes to you today with that same victorious, that same charitable body and blood. Why? Because he loves you. And that's something to say, hallelujah, hosanna, hosanna in the highest. And blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. These are the things that faith causes us to cry out. And it's either you get it or you don't. Those who have ears to hear, hear. Hear and cry out in thanks and praise. For your Lord has answered your prayers even before you even asked. He has had mercy on you in Christ, through Christ, and because of Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. In this world I may be I can't keep up with that style But I know I'm God's own child I claim Jesus first and that's enough for me I claim Jesus first of all He'll always answer when I call For I know I have a 
Underneath his loving wings I'm as happy as a king I claim Jesus first And that's enough for me Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess in faith our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for all people, for all things needful. Hear our cries and be attentive to the voice of our pleas, O Lord, for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Lord, in your mercy, send laborers into your harvest, Lord and preachers to gather your elect from the farthest parts of the earth. Sustain all pastors and missionaries faithful in their callings. Bless our schools and teachers, our congregations and their servants. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you have appointed us as priests in your kingdom not to offer dead works out of our own weakness, but to offer prayers and living sacrifices made holy, innocent, and unstained by the once-for-all service of Christ, who is our high priest. Make every Christian household constant in prayer and good works, since our Savior always lives to make intercession for us. Lord, in your mercy... 
and strike down the haughty, O Lord of hosts, and every hostile voice that would rebuke the voice of faith with its cries and prayers. Uphold the protection of our nation and its leaders in honest service for the good of the people, especially that the gospel may be preached and heard without hindrance. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, save your people and be a father to your Israel, the holy Christian church. Give courage to the hearts of all who cry to you for mercy on those who are hurting, in want, or in need. Give them steadfast faith and be pleased to grant them recovery that they may follow you now and into everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy, give us eyes of faith. Give eyes of faith to all who commune this day, that believing Christ promises in his testament that they would discern the true body and blood distributed here in the sacrament, and so taste and see that he is good. Lord, in your mercy, it is into your hands, O Lord, that we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Please pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, our Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death in the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread 
And he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he did. And he does. And he's here for all of us charity cases to receive the good bread, the bread of life, the blood that was sacrificed and gives us the power to be called the children of God. Now I heard you confess it, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So you're in. You're a kid, the king's kid. And the, and the uh, uh, what are those guys? The ushers will bring you forward.
thoughts went to my friend Jerry Garner after that sermon, and uh, I miss him very, very much. He made me laugh, and he still does. And after that sermon, I remember one Sunday, Jerry didn't hear real well, 
And he said, whew, that was a long one. <laughs> this is a family, a family reunion every Sunday, and I'm glad to have spent it with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Charity.